Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Happy Wednesday and welcome to our broadcast. I'm Bill Shanks with Russ Brown. We are at Texas Roadhouse here at the Shops at River Crossing in Macon where we encourage you to come get some baby back ribs. They've got a wide variety of menu. They've got all kind of great things. They've got steaks, but, you know, I like to talk about my personal experience here, and this has got great ribs here at Texas Roadhouse, and I encourage you to come. They've also got home-cooked meals. They've got fish. They've got shrimp. They've got all kinds of different steaks. When you walk in the door, you get some bread. That's what we should get. Just get some big old bread. So you're not doing the carb thing. Not today. Low carb thing. Tomorrow I might. Today, no. Today, today's enough. I've, I've decided to go on, uh, uh, let's see, even number, eat carbs, odd number, don't eat carbs trick. See how that works. <laughs> no, I'm just, I had a hamburger for lunch, so the heck with it. Anyway, they, they, you, you walk in and you get bread, hot bread with butter, like that honey butter, which is really good. And then they uh, sit you down, and you order steak. You got shrimp. You got just all kind of things. But I'm telling you, folks, come in here to the Texas Roadhouse and get the baby back ribs. They are delicious here at the Texas Roadhouse. All right, we got a lot to talk about on the show today. Got uh, basketball, football, and baseball. Go figure. Into this hour, Jason Walker will join us from. At Jason Walker NBA, our Hawks guru, to talk about the new head coach of the Atlanta Hawks and who that may be because the Atlanta Hawks fired their head coach yesterday, of course, with Nate McMillan taking the fall. We'll talk a little football the next segment. Some uh, things that happened that may involve the Falcons may not, but we will talk about them nonetheless. And uh, the musical chairs for coaches – uh, is there a coach's portal? Is that going on now, I think? I, I think so, and, and the NFL opened it, that's for sure. <laughs> we'll talk about that as well. We'll start with Landry Fields' press conference. He is the general manager of the Atlanta Hawks. He had a press conference today. And uh, I think um, it was obvious to us when we found out yesterday that they were going to fire Nate McMillan now and not wait that the two games right before the All-Star break, Russ, with Charlotte and New York and the pitiful performance, to use alliteration, by the players was the last straw. And that uh, the effort not being there and just everything that looked wrong about that team could not avoid blaming Nate McMillan. And with all the things that have gone on, you know, he still had the chance to rally this team. And today Landry Fields pretty much admitted that those two games at the end of the first part of the season before the All-Star break were it. And he he just knew he couldn't wait any longer. And he thought that now if they make the move now, they can go ahead and start interviewing candidates. They can talk to people who are available, like Quinn Snyder. He mentioned Quinn Snyder's name, who, of course, is the former coach at Utah. And they can start the process early and not have to worry about all the rumors that were going to take place because I think there was inevitability 
that we felt, we saw, we knew was coming, and they just went ahead. And I'll be honest with you, after what I saw with the Charlotte North and, and, and New York games as well, I don't blame them. I would have done it too. Yeah. No, well, I mean, you got to do something. It, it, to me, it feels like just a pound of flesh sort of thing because, I, I mean, I, how, how, the, the issue I have with the Hawks is you, the guy resigned and you talked him into staying and then you turned around and fired him. Mm. So, I mean, it, it, I think part of the issue has been taken care of, but I don't think this is the solution by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, the, those two games before the All-Star break were absolutely embarrassing. So, you know, it, it, it's like you, you just wonder if there's a loud voice on the West Coast saying you've got to do something about this, you've got to do something about this. And really at this stage of the season, the only thing you can do is fire the coach, which I didn't understand why they talked him into staying in the first place because it just seemed like an inevitability that either yesterday or by the end of the season, Nate McMillan was gone. So, you know, why waste time? So I guess in, in, one, in some sense I'm glad they got on with it. Uh, but, you know, it's, there, there's a lot that still has to be fixed on this basketball team. Well, we'll, we'll see what the, the interim coach does. And just – I, I have no expectations for that whatsoever. I, to be honest with you, I want to lose every game. <laughs> I'd love for them to get in the lottery and to see what they can do by getting a better player. Of course, I don't know who's going to pick that player anymore, but nonetheless, I, I you know, I, I, I don't want them to win. I, I'm the kind of fan, and I know some people don't like this, but I'm the kind of fan, whether it's the Falcons and the Hawks, and I know – Jeremy from Memphis will say, well, Braves too, because that's the way he was when they were going through the rebuild. <laughs> if my team's out of it, screw it. Let, let's get the draft pick. And I, I just don't see anything they can do, even if they may. They're not going to make the top six. So they're going to be in that weird play-in thing that they've got, again, like they were last year. And I just don't – I think they'd be wasting their time. You know, let, let's play the kids. Let's figure some things out. It's obvious the interim guy is not going to get the job, right? I mean, they basically said that. So there's going to be someone new. Let's just try to figure some things out Mm -hmm. and play John Collins and, you know, throw John Collins and Trey Young out there. And I I would tell that interim coach, Prunny, I would say, look, you know what? You're not going to get the job. We appreciate it. We're going to give you more money. But you help us figure things out and see what he can do. Yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta start to take stock of what you have, and with that evaluation process, because you know I feel like this off season coming up for the Hawks is is definitely a crossroads, in which there could be some changes to, to the direction of the organization, and I wonder too, like, you know, in this evaluation, not just from a talent standpoint to see what you have, but who wants to play every night. Right. But who's at the arena ready to go? Yep. Who's looking forward to lacing it up and playing basketball? Especially now, right? If yeah. they do kind of go through a little tanking. All right, uh, who's in and who? who's just cashing your paycheck? You're right. And who's coming to play to win? Yeah. We'll find out now. Because, I mean, obviously that's an issue. Because that, again, the not showing up the last two games of the season, yeah, you can blame Nate McMillan for a part of that. But that's on those players, too. So, you know, give me guys that want to play basketball. I am by no means trying to give a pass to the players on this roster. I am very interested to see the answers to our questions play out so we can find out who wants to be here and who doesn't. I I did not like Nate McMillan from the beginning, and I think that this move, whether it was now or later, was going to be the first test to find out and to trigger whether or not those players want to be here. Was it 
just that they didn't like Nate McMillan. Well, they didn't like Lloyd Pierce either. So if you don't like Nate McMillan, are you going to like Prundy? Are you going to like me and Russ coaching? Or are you going to like somebody off the street coaching? Or are you going to like Quinn's? Who are you going to like coaching? And, you know, I I wish that Nate McMillan would come out and really talk with the media and be honest about things. Because, you know what, you would hope that he has been honest with the ownership, Mm -hmm. right, and told them, look, you guys are wasting your time with – a, B, C, or D, or maybe not. Maybe he said, you know what, they just wouldn't listen to me. It was my fault. I couldn't do it. I don't know. I'd love to know what he's told the ownership because Nate McMillan seems like the kind of guy. He didn't have to coach this team. He didn't act like he really wanted to coach this team when he first got the job. Then they won, and he hung around. But it seems to me that if they've been having all these discussions they've talked about, Russ, that He's had to be honest with them about, you know what, Trey's a butthole. Or John Collins, and I'm just throwing it as, out as an example. I mean, and, and you know, did, did, did he say, look, Lloyd couldn't get a, 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 along with him. I couldn't get along with him. What are you going to do? Who are you going to bring in that's going to get along with him? And maybe that's not what he said. I would just love to know what he said because I think now that he's gone, and, again, he, they weren't listening to him. So right. wh- whether it was their fault or his fault, he had to go, right? Now they can truly take a look at everything with Nate out of the way. And if they had any reservations about, well, Nate's just full of crap or questioning Nate McMillan, which he is a veteran coach, so he's been around a lot of players. I mean, he's coached a lot of players. Then they can evaluate what he had to tell him if he was honest with him and go from there. But – uh, I've tried to think about, you know, these different names on the list. I still go back to Quinn Snyder because I think he had success in Utah. I don't think they're going to find their Chuck uh, Daly or their Pat Riley or, you know, I'm talking about their Phil Jackson yeah. who's going to come in and, you know, sprinkle a little magic dust on this situation and make them champions. I don't know if they're going to be champions. I don't know if they got him in them. I don't know if the ownership's got it in him to be a champion if he's going to trade off players once, they're, once their payroll gets too high. But I, I think a veteran coach still is the way to go because I don't, I don't have any confidence that a young coach would be able to have the power over Trey Young and the others to make them do what they are told to do. Yeah. And that's a bad thing to say, but I, that's the way I feel. Well, you got to bring in somebody that's going to coach these guys like you know, mature veteran NBA players, because that's, I mean, that's where they should be by now. You know, this isn't you're not you're not in a rebuild anymore. You're you're actually in the second iteration of what you started when you started your rebuild. So, um, yeah, I I agree. Bring in a veteran coach as if you know this is going to be a playoff team. This is that should be the expectation, and and a top six playoff team, not just a you know getting to the play in tournament playoff team. And, and, and here's the thing, and if you do that, you bring that guy in and these players still don't respond, then it's time to get different players. That's right. Yeah, and that's a bad road to go down. But if you have no choice, you're well, going to mean, have to make it. It would be the third coach. I mean, you could say that they were immature and Lloyd Pierce was inexperienced, and I think both of those things were true. Um, I think they're still immature, but I mean, Nate McMillan, as you laid out, has experience. He's a, he's a veteran NBA coach. So if it happens a third time – it's not the coach's problem. Right. Well, let's, say, let's take Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder coached eight years in Utah. I know that was the only job he had in the NBA as far as a head coaching job. He was assistant with Atlanta. 
he, you know, he's been in the NBA for about a decade before he was the head coach in, in Missouri. So he's been a head coach for, for many years. If in a year they're still going through the same kind of stuff and we're still hearing the same kind of stuff that we hear now, then we're going to know it's not just the coach that is going on with the players. And no matter who you put in there, that's going to be a problem, which means blow it up. And, and you know, I, we've talked about the fact that we hope the Braves get off to a good start. Where was the good start from the Hawks? Where was it ever at? They never had a good start. It's like this group here of that we've been touting and excited about. They've never gotten off to a great start. Why not? I don't know. You know, it's yeah. like they got talent. I know they do, but they don't. They don't get off to a good start. You know, and the comment that I keep going back to more and more and more is when um, Trey Young said the regular seasons are just boring. I, I can't get over. And that I can't. Either. I mean, the way this is played <laughs> out, I can't. I mean, it's like okay, he shouldn't have said that. Young players make mistakes. He learns from it. I, well, I don't think he did. I know. Well, because he plays like the regular season's boring. And you, and it, as he learned last year against Miami, you can't just flip the switch in the playoffs and expect to go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals every year. No, they that got happen. Oh, they got destroyed. So, I, you know, I just hopefully this is a wake-up call. I mean, I know um, – we said that about Lloyd Pierce. We did. Body. We did. I feel like we're having the same show we did two years ago. But it just, we are running a tape from February twenty second, twenty twenty one. But it just it, this. I think they'll play well in the short term, like they did when that article first came out. Yeah, which is makes it even more disappointing because it shows you they're capable. But you know they're probably just going to drift off back into like, well, we've got a three game winning streak. It's Tuesday night. I don't really even want to be here. <laughs> I'll just mail it in. That's how you feel when you watch them sometime. It is. A couple other things that Landry Field said. He was asked, can you confirm or deny the reporting that you've looked to bring in Quinn Snyder during the season? Landry Field said, yes, Quinn is part of that pool. That's somebody that we will consider for sure. And, again, Quinn Snyder was part of Mike Budenholzer's staff in Atlanta back when Budenholzer was the coach. He was asked, Landry Fields was asked, have you already started the process of speaking with them? He said, we have. And then he said, we have a pool of coaches that we're looking at right now. He was asked, and, and, and if this doesn't tell you, and I know this could be NBA, the NBA in general, and my, not just Trey Young, but someone asked him if Trey Young had a pull in this decision. And will they make a voice in selecting the new coach? Why should they – there's nobody on this team with the kind of clout that should make a decision well, I, on the head coach. Yeah, and I think maybe that's been a little bit of a mistake that's been made because we always had a feeling that Trey Young was that type of player. And I think over the last 140-some-odd games since they lost that series to Milwaukee, we've learned he's not that player. He's not. And, and so, you know, is it – I mean, is it, 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 it's almost like if he gets his feelings hurt because he's not included, then okay <laughs> – you got it. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you really have to decide what you have here. Do you have a Batman or do you have a Robin? <laughs> That's right. Yes. The answer from Landry Fields, they did not have any role in this decision. I would not ever go to players on something like this. I don't believe it. This is solely my decision at the end of the day. As far as a new candidate, to me, our objectives and our values are clear, and the players fall in line with those as well. Oh, do they? So I don't necessarily need their feedback on who that will be. So, you know, he talked about what he's looking for 
in the in the new coach who he's looking to bring in here and the same stuff that was mentioned yesterday and everything. So, and that, but he did say this is very interesting when he was asked if there was a possibility that you would bring in someone before the end of the regular season to be the coach for next year, not necessarily for this year. He said, "Yes, there is." I had mentioned to our group here, like we are immediately and progressive, aggressively looking at other candidates, and that could be before the season ends. That could be this summer. We're trying to get a jump on it. So, I mean, I like what he said. It, not, nothing kind of out of the way. Um, it, it was obvious that that uh, he felt they needed to make the decision, and so Landry Fields, who was a a short-term journeyman NBA player all of a sudden is running the Atlanta Hawks. And Travis Schlenk is – that. that's the thing that, again, like I said with Nate McMillan, even though I'm glad he got fired, I would love to hear what he really believes. Uh, what is Travis Schlenk? And, of course, we're not going to hear that until he gets another job because – and he's not going to ever say anything. These, you know, it's like Frank Wren. Yeah. Frank, I, Frank Wren was never interviewed. I don't know how much they tried. I mean, I didn't want to talk to son of a gun. But, I mean – you know, what could he have said that would have justified some of his decisions and yeah. activity? But Travis Schlink would be someone I think we'd like to hear from. Yeah, but like he's probably at his age, you know, he still wants to work in the NBA, so he's not going to say yeah. anything. It's, nah. it's going to be, I had a great experience, wish we could have won more, wish him all the best, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. That's it. You're right. You're exactly right. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk football. We'll talk basketball with Jason Walker again at the end of this hour. We're at the Texas Roadhouse here at the Shops at River Crossing where when you walk in, you get hot bread and butter. Can't beat that right there, but when you sit down, you can order some baby back ribs that are delicious. Trust me, I know. I've eaten them. They're really, really good. Fall off the bone ribs here at Texas Roadhouse. With Russ Brown, I'm Bill Shanks. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. Welcome back. Thank you very much for being with us. Bill and Russ here on the radio talking sports from the Texas Roadhouse in Macon. All right, the Falcons have someone on the market that may be of interest to them. Taylor Lewan, the left tackle for the Tennessee Titans since 2014. He's a three-time Pro Bowl lineman, 31 years old. He was in the final season of an eight-year, a five-year rather, $80 million contract. He got released today. He was taken in the same draft that Jake Matthews was drafted in, 2014. Matthews was number six in the first round. Luan was number 11 out of Michigan. And the tie here is that he played for Arthur Smith. Now, Taylor Luan has been a left tackle. Will he or Jake Matthews move to right tackle? And I did see, and I, I can't find it right now, Russ, because there's so much stuff lying about the NFL. I believe I saw today that if they brought back Caleb McGarry, it would be about $22 million on the cap. So when I saw that, I, I <laughs> had a change of heart about bringing him back, to be honest with you. That's a lot of money for someone who still has a few questions about his game. Yeah, that's, and I'm trying to pull up the salary cap table because if memory serves, that might make him number two or number three on the payroll. Um, yeah, the, the highest cap pit uh, for 23 is Jake Matthews at 28-3 and then Grady Jarrett at 26, and then it drops down to Marcus Mariota at 14-5. So that would make him the third highest paid player. And, you know, as far as the salary cap is concerned yeah. on the team. 
Well, and and uh, I just Googled an article. It says here that uh, they could franchise McGarry and – one of the ESPN writers called McGarry to Daniel Jones the right tackle position, depending on your estimation of Jones, an apt comparison or a grievous insult, and noting that he's the pick of the prior regime with just one year that was good under his belt, which complicates the decision for for that. And they talk about could he sign a below-market deal, $12.5 million per season, and then they pretty much predict a four-year deal for $50 million dollars but it says that if they tag, here it is, if they tag McGarry, if they tag McGarry, that would tie up $18 million for a while, taking a huge chunk out of Atlanta's considerable cap space. The team might consider doing so if they really want McGarry back. They can also cut Marcus Mariota and free up $12 million, which is something that D. Orlando Ledbetter confirmed again today. The Orlando Ledbetter tweeted a little while ago this afternoon, the Falcons will have $56 million to spend when the league year starts on March the 15th. They can add another $17 million if they release quarterback Marcus Mariota, which is worth $12 million, and then Casey Hayward, the quarterback, who would be worth $5 million. And I just can't imagine them bringing Mariota back, which you would assume that would mean that they would be at $68 million. Uh, Hayward, I don't know about releasing him. I mean, that that's not a bad deal for a veteran cornerback, and you're not sure that you're going to get another corner. If they feel confident they're going to get another cornerback who's going to be better than Casey, then okay, which would give them $73 million to spend. But if that's the case, Russ, and $22 million would be locked up if they brought McGarry back, he's not coming back. That's a third, uh, yeah. almost a third of the of the cap room. I can't imagine that. Can you? Yeah. Well, you know, Casey's a, a seven million dollar cap hit, and somebody you're going to need. Uh, like, in other words, if if you let him go, you're going to have to replace him. No, I mean you could do it through the draft, but the thought is you might draft a corner. So you really, in that situation, would need two. Can you get two corners for seven million dollars? I, I don't know that you can. I, I think that's a kind of a cap friendly deal. Um, and then if you go by the pro football focus rankings, Caleb McGarry's the number four tackle on the free agent market. So if you're going to be spending, you know, upwards of $20 million, go after Orlando Brown, you know, swing for the fences if you're going to spend that kind of money. Um, you know, and then if, if McGlinchey falls through the, the – the, I'm sorry, if McGarry thought falls through the cracks, I mean, there's other tackles on the market that you can go get. For what do you think about Lawan? What do you think about him? I, well, I, for him, if 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 he wants to play, I mean, he he's been he's had a couple major injuries in the last few years, and and had said about two weeks ago if he he well he felt like he was going to get released, uh, which he has now. We know that, and then at that point he might retire. So if but if he I mean if he can go and you can get him on a cheap deal, he knows the system. You know yeah. that, that wouldn't be a bad pickup. Well, uh, he he had um, ACL last year in week two he's had two acl surgeries in three years and he's played only 20 games over the last three seasons so that's not someone that's going to command a lot of money no and i just wonder if arthur smith if and we're saying if because we do not know if 
Arthur Smith, after being the coach at Tennessee for a large portion of Taylor Lewan's career, with the exception of the last two years, so that means he was with him for seven years, has an affinity for this guy and wants to convince him, hey, why don't you come to camp? I'm not going to guarantee you a starting job, but we, you know I'll let you play if you're healthy. And I think Taylor Lewan is, is enough of a veteran that he would know that no one's going to give him a starting tackle job with the questions that are there about his injuries. But from a veteran standpoint of, wow, this guy has had a really good career, I don't know if anybody can – I don't know if anybody really can talk him into playing again with the exception of Arthur Smith as long as they had a good relationship, which yeah. I don't know if they did or not. But sure. you would just assume that if they were there together for seven years, they're, they're – I just think that's the only place he may play because I, why would he want to play unless it's for someone who he feels comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. It just you love the game, you want to keep going. Yeah. You don't want to have to learn a whole new scheme. You know, that, that, that seems like it would be a good fit. Now, if you, the box is to win a championship, well, maybe not. But yeah. <laughs> who knows what he wants to do. Yeah. Now, that, that's a question, you know, for sure. But it's a name to keep in mind because the tie-in to, to Arthur Smith and what obviously um, that means in the NFL, which it usually means a lot, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I mean, that, those kind of things happen all the time where coaches will – bring their old my god how many players did dan quinn from uh, when he went to dallas bring with him from atlanta there mm-hmm. were a number who were on that first roster there for quinn a couple of years ago so we'll see we'll see what happens now cbs sports had a mock draft today russ have you seen this i have not the first overall pick in the draft was a trade with indianapolis moving up to get the number one pick from the Chicago Bears, and with that number one pick in the draft, in this mock draft, who which was done by Chris Trapasso, the Indianapolis Colts selected Anthony Richardson from the University of Florida over Bryce Young, who went second. Okay, okay, Colts. Now you had you had Peyton Manning, you had Andrew Luck, and now you're going to try to swing in the twenties with Anthony Richardson. I mean, if you do that, I mean, the tone of the press conference has got to be a developmental pick, right? I mean, you're not going to this, – this guy has not played football. He doesn't have the snaps. He's not – I mean, I don't, I don't think he was ready for, for last year for the Florida Gators, much less the National Football League. I think he I played mean, 20 games, right? Uh, yeah, well, I was just pulling up his career totals. I want to say it's – he played, yeah, 20 games in college. Yep. Uh, 22 games. 22 games? Played 22 games in three years at Florida. That's an average of seven per season. I can do that math. Um, but I just – I um, uh, okay. I, I, I mean, I see the raw talent. It, it, it's there. there. There's no denying that. He's got size. He's got speed. He's got arm strength. The, the raw talent's there. But he's not ready to step in and win football games. And, and, and if Jim Mercer does that, I hope he understands. You know, you can't do this thing where you want to move on in two years because he ain't going to be ready in two years. I know. I'm with you. Number two, it's Bryce Young. Number three, Jalen Carter going to the um, – well, it would be a, a trade with Arizona. They've got, he's got all kind of trades in this this thing. I mean, all kind of trades. I'm sorry. That would be Arizona taking Jalen Carter, Will Anderson taking the 
uh, fourth pick and then going to the Bears. So the Bears would get their defensive player falling back. They'd get the Colts selections in round two and four, along with a first-rounder next year, third-rounder next year, and a second-rounder in 2025. Wow. You know what? Looking at that price, how can you not make that trade if you're Indianapolis? Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like we uh, b- believed it would be, right? That's mm-hmm. But to see it kind of in black and white is like, holy crap, sign right. me up. And that's why if, I, if I'm in the Chicago front office now, I'm saying you get all those picks and we'll either get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Yeah. One of those two will be there. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather have Jalen, but it, sure. it, it, I, I would probably compensate with the extra picks to, to settle, quote-unquote, for Will Anderson. <laughs> Will Levis fifth to Seattle. No, I'm sorry, to Carolina. This would be another trade. Uh, Devin Witherspoon would go to Detroit at number six. Quentin Johnson from – come on. Come on. I don't like this. Can we just stop? (laughs) I don't know if I like this mock draft. No, this is great for the Falcons. At number eight, here you go, Russ. You get your wish. The Atlanta Falcons trade the pick. And this goes to the New York Giants. Giants sees Stroud slipping and pounds. He has the all-pro upside as a passer. They trade away the number 26 overall pick, the second-round pick, and a 2024 first-rounder and fourth-rounder. So Atlanta would fall from 8 to 26, get a second ra- an additional second-rounder at 58, then a first-rounder next year, and a fourth-rounder as well next year. You take that trade. All day long. All day long. <laughs> All day long. It's tempting. It's tempting. I mean, it that's really a, that's an extra first-round pick in next year's draft. So you'd have two first-round picks, meaning if this season is a dumpster fire and goes off the rails, you can start to rebuild oh, really no fast. No question. No question about it. I, but, of course, the funny thing would be that Falcons would probably sign Daniel Jones to a long-term contract. <laughs> well, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> What's he wanting, 40, 45 million? Yeah, he wants 45 million a year. That'll suck up some of that cap space, won't it? Yeah, no thank you. All right, so Paris Johnson goes 11th to Tennessee, I guess to replace Taylor Lewan. Jordan Addison goes to Houston at number 12. Brian Branch from Alabama goes 13th to the Jet. I mean, excuse me, to Green Bay. Trades all over this daggum thing. Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback we talked about yesterday, goes to the – Steelers at number 17. Michael Meyer, the uh, mass murderer, who is the <laughs> tight end from Notre Dame, goes to Detroit at number 18. You would know, be a great pick for Detroit, wouldn't yes, it? Yes, it would. I tell you, Detroit's a team to watch. It's yeah. kind of fun to watch how they're putting this yeah. together, aren't they? They're building they? it the right way. They are. Uh, Peter Skaronsky goes to Tampa Bay at number 19. They need him. Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee goes 21st to the Chargers. Jackson Smith and the Jimba. From Ohio State goes to Minnesota at 23rd. Miles Murphy from Clemson goes to Atlanta. Pick number 25 out of that trade that they made with the Giants. Drew Sanders from Arkansas goes to Dallas at number 26. Broderick Jones from Georgia. Ain't no way Broderick Jones is going to last at 27. I just don't see that. Uh, Robinson, Bijan Robinson, the kid from Texas, goes to Philadelphia at number 30. That would be a pretty decent pick by the Eagles at that spot. Zay Flowers from Boston College goes to New Orleans at number 29. And there you go. Second round, they've got Atlanta taking Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah. And also they have Atlanta taking Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama, former Georgia Tech running back. That would be a pick number 57. Wow. 
Yeah, how about that? Gibbs and be pretty. That'd be tempting now. If Gibbs he's still there in the fifties, yeah, pretty pretty tempting right there. I don't think he'll be there, but if he I, is, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, let's say Keon White from Georgia Tech goes thirty third in this mock draft. Brian Breesy falls all the way to thirty fourth. Osiris Torrance, the guard from from Florida, goes Chicago at thirty five. Let's see, B.J. Ojolari from LSU goes to Cleveland at forty two. You've got Josh Downs, formerly of Tennessee of North Carolina, goes to New England at 46. Hinton Hooker goes to the Ravens at number 47. And Tyreek Stevenson, the former Georgia cornerback, now at Miami, goes to the Jaguars at 56. Eli Ricks from Alabama, formerly of LSU, goes to the Cowboys at 58. Nolan Smith goes 61st to Seattle. And Kaleem Ringo falls all the way to 62nd in this mock draft. End of the second round. Colleen Ringo has a chance to s- silence some critics if he goes to that combine and does well. You know, yeah, he's the he's the player to watch at the combine. That entire cornerback group is, yeah. is the one to watch, but it's specifically him because again, I've seen him all he, over. This is the lowest I've seen. So from yeah. I can now say from five to the to the sixties. Those cornerbacks are volatile going into the draft. They were last year, I'm telling you. The Stingley kid, anyway, Stingley was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so was that kid from, uh, what, UCF? Oh, yeah. He had a great year. Yeah. I mean, all over the place before that draft last year. So, anyway, uh, mock drafts are just someone's opinion. We take a look at them, but, you know, it is what it is. Real quick, Glenn Schumann is reportedly going to interview for the Defensive coordinator job with the Philadelphia Eagles. Dan Matthews reported that a little while ago, that Glenn Schumann is going to interview for the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator job. They had the guy who was the interim coach at Wisconsin, Jim Leonard. He was uh, pretty much set to take the job, and he had some kind of hip surgery that he kind of bowed out. So they're looking at a college defensive coordinator, and Glenn Schumann is now going to interview there, of course, if he were to leave. Will Muschamp already in place to be the solo DC, I guess. But we'll see what happens with Glenn Schumann, who, of course, was rumored to be a candidate with Alabama after they ran off Pete Golding. Also, speaking of defensive coordinators leaving to go to the NFL, Florida lost its today. Patrick Toney goes to Cardinals. So with only uh, about 10 days left before spring practice starts, there's a change for the Gators at defensive coordinator is Alabama's inside linebackers coach Austin Armstrong, who I believe I read was a was a analyst for Georgia just a few years ago, is now a DC for Florida. And and Billy Napier is hoping for some stability at some point in that situation because it's a revolving door, isn't it? Oh yeah. No, and they spring ball starts in two weeks. I mean it's they <laughs> And they're thinking about adding in a rule in the National Football League that you can't hire coaches until after the Super Bowl. Wow. And that's really going to shake things up at the collegiate level. Wow. Crazy. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out with these coaching changes, but have to keep an eye on Glenn Schumann now. We'll take a break, come back, switch back to the Hawks. Jason Walker joins us to talk about the firing of Nate McMillan. We're at the Texas Roadhouse here in Macon on – Riverside Drive at the Shops River Crossing, where they greet you at the door with hot bread and butter. Can't beat that. Back with more sports talk on this Wednesday right after this. 
16 minutes before the top of the hour. Thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it. Let's talk more about the Hawks' decision to fire Nate McMillan and bring in our Hawks guru, Jason Walker, at Jason Walker NBA. This couldn't have been a surprise. I think you were with us that you probably thought this was going to happen after the season, but it was obvious from Landry's comments today, those two games that before the All-Star break, the two pathetic performances were kind of the last straw. That He just felt like he had to make the move now, didn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, uh, yeah, you don't want this to drag on and make and have even more negative news. It's not like they're going to go out and hire a new coach and stack money on top of, uh, on top of what Nate was already owed. They're going uh, you know, to finish out the season with the staff they have. So, you know, it, it made sense. You definitely didn't want any more drama. Look what's already spinning around tonight, today with all the talk about Trey Young and, and Nate. And you really wanted to drag that through the second half of the year while, by the way, you're trying to compete to make the playoffs. And those last two games were just, um, you know, a flashpoint on how bad things had gotten uh, when it comes from coach uh, to players on the floor. Why do you think Nate McMillan did not work with this group? Well, I think it was real clear after the, the, the conference finals run where he was basically using Lloyd Pierce's playbook and the assistant coaches that were on, really Lloyd Pierce's, and, and he took over. You know, he coached like he coaches. I mean, this is not a surprise that Nate McMillan was going to run a very ISO-heavy uh, type offense, and, you know, he just wasn't going to run a modern offense. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. And the Hawks still excel, though. Let's make that point. The Hawks were still great, and you could argue whether that was because of the, the system or it was because of Trey Young. I certainly would vote on the latter. Uh, that, uh, you know, that, that the team, you know, was highly successful efficient-wise, efficient but it was just not, not going to work. It, it, he... he Travis Schlank was always going to work with bringing young kids in. His strength was in the draft. And, and uh, you know, Nate struggled with that. I mean, we saw with the addition of Sadiq Bey, Jalen Johnson, who had played so well uh, uh, up to that point, wasn't playing anymore. And I think that was one of those things in those last two games that was really highlighting things is that you were seeing Aaron Holiday being the first guy off the bench. And, and you just weren't seeing the growth and the development that a younger team should should have under Nate. That's not the coach Nate is. And we can rewind all the way back to when you and I talked about the, the fact that they kind of had to hire Nate, even though we knew it wasn't a – his style with Portland and Indiana wasn't the same thing. But, heck, they went to the finals and turned it around 27-11 with Nate you know, manning the helm. We certainly didn't see the, the, the switch in the assistant coaches – and, and things just went back to that. And after two years of treading water, as we call it right here on this show, uh, they had to make a move yep. at that point. All right. So uh, we, we know they are going to go ahead and start talking to people, talking to Quinn Snyder. They can't talk to people who are on the other staffs uh, for obviously real reasons for several weeks. Uh, I, I mean, I guess they could approach the Warriors about Kenny Atkinson and see if they could go ahead and talk with him if they wanted to. But, but uh, what do you hope we see in these 
final 20-some-odd games of the regular season? Well, for number one, first and foremost, you want to see Trey Young uh, you know, step forward and be a leader on the team again outwardly. Uh, it was very clear that whatever was going on was impacting Trey's persona on the court. His play was still spectacular. But you, you want to see Trey Young with some pep in his step and leading this team into the postseason with some momentum, uh, much like they did when they let Lloyd Pierce go. But this time would be different because you, you don't the Hawks are not going to go the same path they had last time, which was you know just feeling like they have to hire the person that turned it around. I think that's what they want. What you want to see though, you want to see the uh, Trey Young reestablish himself. The whole team kind of playing with more pep in the step, uh, better you know more more efficient offense as well as defensive effort. They're just like we kind of saw where the Hawks were a top five offense in a middle of the road defense when they made it to the conference finals two years ago. That's what you're hoping to see uh, now and, and begin the healing process from what was a very rough season and a half. Is Trey Young a coach killer? No, no. It's, you can ask that of every star, all-star player uh, in the league with the, for the last 25 years, with maybe the exception of Tim Duncan, that every star is going to, at some point, when they're not succeeding at the level that they're expecting to succeed, you have to kind of look. It's much easier to acquire a coach that is uh, that that could that could get the team higher than it is to acquire an all-NBA caliber player. So, no, I, I don't see it that way. Lord Pierce was always going to be a, a, a first couple of years coach. We knew that uh, when, when they hired him. Uh, and Nate was a, a matter of, of circumstances we kind of just talked about uh, on there. So, no, Trey Young's not a, not a coach killer. Now, does he have some culpability around the immaturity in which things are handled? Certainly. Certainly. I mean, you can't ignore what the stories that come out uh, about that. Trey is learning how to be a star in the NBA. He's a very young guy. And uh, certainly he has some culpability in how things are handled day to day. But no, not a coach killer. Jason Walker, our guest, talking about the Atlanta Hawks situation. You knew that had to be asked, but let's also move on to this now. Uh, of the candidates that have been mentioned, who do you think would be the best person to step into this job? Well, you know, I think uh, you, I know Quinn Snyder's name has been been there, and certainly we love what he did in Utah, and he's in that Budenholzer tree. And certainly we like the way that the Hawks look when playing, you know, under Mike Budenholzer, and, and you, you want to get back to that. But also Kenny Atkinson did a great job. With with Spencer Dinwiddie and, and you know he did a great job with the, with the Brooklyn Nets when he was when he was there and really I think a lot of people thought was you know that he got big timed out of that uh, that they couldn't feel like like they couldn't coach at that level but I think he could coach at a Budenholzer level and, uh, and I mean that's what you're kind of hoping uh, hoping for there and there's just a, you know a lot of fellows in that tree. Uh, you know, leave with the Bucks, and, and, and that could be great. I would like to see someone with already head coaching experience. This is not a roster where you learn on the job of Charles Lee or somebody like that. If they went with that, I, I wouldn't have any problem with it. It just wouldn't be my, my preference. So you, you want to see someone like, you know, Quinn Snyder or Kenny Atkinson 
uh, coming in at this point. There's no no time to learn. I'm with you. I agree 100. percent And and I uh, I like both of them. I won't be disappointed. I give it a little bit of an edge to to Snyder. But Snyder, I, I think when Snyder was uh, when he left Utah last year, which surprised some, but when he did leave. Uh, th- there were some that felt that he had kind of hit a brick wall with Utah and couldn't get over that hump. But uh, what, what, were, what was his reputation for, for developing talent, since that's going to be part well, of this situation? Right. I mean, you, you saw Dennis Mitchell come in and, and become an all-NBA player. Uh, you know, you saw players – in fact, he was willing to let players like Derek Favors go or, or play less minutes when they weren't – or, or to get the most effectiveness out of his veterans. Uh, that that he could have, and it, you know you weren't seeing the. Of course, they always drafted late in the first round because they were playing so well. Um, you know, so it, there wasn't a lot of those in there. But if you look at how they played, um, you know, with with uh, with Mitchell there, this clearly a coach that understood how to be able to get a lot out of it. No, by the way, they had a, an anchor center in Gobert, and they were they managed to run offenses and score points, Bill. So. Uh, you know, I know we think that a lot. We laugh about Clint Capella and how limited he is, he is on the offensive end and how that does have a down, you know, a downhill effect with guys like John Collins and, and uh, you know, and, and players like that. But Snyder found a way to be, to be able to do that. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I don't think that there's any – there's nothing about Quinn Snyder that, that says he wouldn't play Jalen Johnson or, or A.J. Griffin. Uh, in, in key spots. I think we did see that with Utah. Yeah, and whereas when Nate McMillan got the job, I think we knew right off the bat he was not going to be very favorable to, to young players. All right, uh, Jason, good yeah. stuff. Thank you so very much. We appreciate it. We will see what happens when they get started on Friday against Cleveland. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Bill. All right, Jason Walker at Jason Walker NBA and – John Collins was uh, asked about the decision to let Nate McMillan go, and he said that he thought that Nate would be better for a more veteran team than one that needed some development. And it does go to the point of reiterating that, once again, uh, the, these players who are so young continue to, do, to, continue to need development. And they just weren't getting it from Nate McMillan. A lot of times because they weren't playing. We saw a couple of DNPs for Jalen Johnson. And one time it was after he'd had a game where he had 11 rebounds. It's like, well, how can you go from 11 rebounds in one game to not playing in the next? And it wasn't an entry. So hopefully those are the kind of things that will disappear from this Hawks team for now. And they can see how these young players can develop. We're at the Texas Roadhouse here in Macon. And you are listening to The Bill Shanks Show.